Straight talk. Genuine insights. It's the SC Policy Council. Keeping his finger on the nerve of our state legislators. Live on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. Nice, Nikki. What do you think, Bryce? I love that. Y'all did a fantastic job with that. <laughs> well, you know what? It's just like this show, Bryce. It's teamwork. Liz wrote it, and then I produced it and put it all together, and that's what we have. Magic. I think that's how the best things come together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Teamwork. Absolutely. Well, you have the finger on the nerve on these lawyer legislators. A lot of people are calling this a rotten system, harming public trust. We've been talking about judicial reform. And um, there was a hearing on the 17th. There's another one today, according to your article. Tell us about this new article. It says South Carolina prosecutors give explosive testimony to House Judicial Study Committee back reform. They're backing reform. Tell us about um, what uh, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson had to say during this hearing. Absolutely. And I'll set it up a little bit. So throughout the month, the House, a special House committee, has been holding hearings to kind of look at how South Carolina takes judges and to hear from different people in our judicial system. So judges, attorneys, lawyers, academics, kind of anyone that thinks they could contribute to the conversation and their kind of review of how we do things in South Carolina. So two weeks ago, South Carolina prosecutors met for what I think is probably the most important hearing so far. And we heard from, you know, Attorney General Wilson and several solicitors, including David Pascoe, about some of the more egregious examples of favoritism and conflicts of interest and misbehavior they've seen in the courtroom. And so if you'd like, I can talk through some of the examples that they gave. Yes. Even give you a it's couple unbelievable. Of yeah. So the example that attorney that Alan Wilson gave is a little long, but I think it's important. Basically there was a civil case involving a lawyer legislator. There was an industrial company that offered trainings to local workers in the community. Uh, it did these at cost. So it wasn't trying to make money off them. It was just trying to kind of, help workers that were in a similar field get kind of sufficient training. One of these workers uh, completes the training and then 15 years later gets injured. Now, this worker didn't work for the company. He worked for the city. And other than the training that he took, he really had no connection to the company other than that training. So after his injury, he sues multiple parties, the property owners, et cetera. But he also sues the company that offered the training. And then before an important legal hearing, the CEO of the company basically says that a lawyer legislator who is a law partner of a lawyer representing the plaintiff in this case, Mm -hmm. he shows up to the the courthouse and he speaks privately with the judge outside for a little bit. So the the company CEO, the CEO's legal team rather, is not involved in the conversation. They don't know what was said. Kind of a brief conversation doesn't take too long. Then the lawyer legislator leaves, the judge comes back in, proceedings begin, and then at that point, the CEO claims that they lost every single motion. Hmm. Nothing was going in their favor. Rulings on what evidence should be permitted never seemed to make sense. They were always going to the plaintiff's side. They lost the case badly, and Hmm. according to him, it cost them millions and millions of dollars. Now, we weren't there. Um, even the attorney general wasn't there. So we don't know for sure. It's entirely possible that the judge made all the right decisions in this case. However, it's just the appearance that this lawyer legislator shows up, one that we know has significant 
um, more influence over judges than, let's say, your, your average attorney because of how judges are selected in South Carolina. And to the CEO, he felt that the judge had been influenced that day based on that conversation. And he would later describe, and he, when he talks to his business associates, he describes South Carolina. It's a great state, great people, but you have to look out for that judicial system. He warns them. Mm-hmm. He tells them that story. And in his words, he refers to South Carolina's judicial system as a judicial hellhole. I thought that story was powerful. We're talking about companies that do major business here, bring jobs and investment. And really, this gets into even bigger issues in our legal system. Liz, we've talked about this recently with kind of the unevenness in our liability system, how companies who are only relatively at fault for an incident can be on the hook for millions and millions of dollars. I think this is also a good example of that. So that was the most powerful example from Wilson. And before we move on, I don't know if you have any questions about that. Pasco also gave some really interesting tidbits as well. No, no, keep going. Because um, the 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 part that is really shocking is at the end of your article when Harpolitan, I can never say his name right, but he actually says it's an open secret. That's the part that really gets me. Yes. So Pasco, I mean, it's a fiery testimony. And I don't, I don't use that word lightly. What was different about his testimony, up until this point, we were getting good details, really strong statements, but we weren't really getting names. You know, people were kind of hesitant to give them. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the judges that had been involved to be retaliated against. They also didn't really feel comfortable singling out, you know, members of the JMSC or lawyer legislators in this case that, you know, had been involved. They kind of just wanted to give it big. Well, Pasco, he said, no, we're giving you names. And that's important because a couple members on this committee, and I want to say most are keeping an open mind to reform, and I do think this House committee is doing a good job. I want to give them credit for that. But a couple members on this committee don't seem so convinced, hmm. and they have specifically asked for names and examples of instances of wrongdoing before they will kind of keep an open mind to reform. So that's kind of how this, this came to be. So to your, your point first, um, Pasco describes and this is this is uh, First Circuit Solicitor David Pasco describes a conversation that he had with Senator and lawyer legislator Dick Harputlian. And Harputlian tells him, if when asked about kind of is there favoritism in the system, Harputlian says yes. In his words, lawyer legislators get preferential treatment. It's not a secret. Hmm. This is someone that would know, right? Mind you, this is the attorney that represented Alex Murda, and I'm not saying there was favoritism in that case. But he's been involved in many legal cases dealing with, as himself a lawyer, legislator, judges. He knows the system very, very well. I think that's someone whose word we should take very seriously. When um, speaking about the Judicial Merit Selection Commission, which is the 10-member body that screens and nominates candidates before they can be elected by the full General Assembly, that's how many of our high-level judges are selected in South Carolina. Um, Pasco says that it does not weed out bad judges, according to him. He mm-hmm. says that it berates them, it threatens them, and it intimidates many of the good ones um, until they drop out. And then in his exact words, that is not a system that we should support. So, and I'll just end on on one quick example of, of a member, uh, of specifically involving a member. So there was a circuit judge, his name is Daniel Cobble. He recently ruled on the side of lawyer, legislator, and JMSC member Todd Rutherford in a civil case about 
<laughs> what amount of legal fees should be allowed following a plutonium settlement. Now, there was nothing inherently wrong with the ruling, but it came just two weeks before Cobble appeared before the JMSC for his own screening. So he's giving a favorable ruling just two weeks before he's going to be evaluated on whether he should be, be re-elected as a judge. And Pasco says, the optics of the situation look horrible. He says, I don't know if the ruling was, was correct or not. I'm not a judge. I'm not here to determine that. But I can tell you from the outside, the public sees this as, as looking horrible, and it looks like favoritism, even if it may not be there. So, I, you know, you mentioned earlier when you first started telling the story about how um, the rulings during that one case with the injured worker were falling in favor of the business and um, they that they lost millions of dollars um, or millions of dollars are at stake. Have you been able to put a dollar amount? Like, are there more people, um, more uh, attorneys going to come forward? Because here's my guess that they have been victims of this type of lawyer-legislator um, privilege going on for quite some time, but they're not going to want to say anything because they have a lot more cases to try for the rest of their career. So they're not going to be the one to sound the alarm. Is there a safe space being created for uh, attorneys to come out and say, listen, my client's been damaged by this, you know, open secret? So I'm just wondering, because I I mean, if I was an attorney, I would be like, oh, I got the short end of the stick on this one, you know, and then your poor client is going to suffer. And there's, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars lost, whether it's in a lost award or maybe in attorney fees. You know, a lot goes into preparation in these cases. It's just not fair. I don't. It's just so aggravating. It's not it's it's not fair to the injured parties, especially. That's right. And it really it, it doesn't give you a sense of justice or that our judicial system is working in the correct way when it feels like these people that have nominating and electing power over our judges, at least it appears that they get preferential treatment. And there's some evidence to suggest that uh, they do based on, you know, people that we've heard from at this meeting. Um, I will say it, it seems like it's becoming more common for people that feel that they've been wronged by this judicial system. And that can include uh, attorneys. That obviously includes victims. That can even include judges um, who feel perhaps beholden or uh, concerned that if they make a decision that upsets a lawyer legislator, especially one that's on the Judicial Merit Selection Commission, that they could lose their jobs. And so it seems like they are confiding and telling their stories to the attorney general, um, telling their stories to the solicitors that spoke at this this meeting. Uh, we've had an intern at some of these judicial screenings, which have also been happening this month. So the JMSC has been meeting to review tons of candidates for elections that are going to take place in the next session. And we've actually seen what seems like more um, speakers and testimony, uh, oftentimes against the judicial candidates that are running, and some of what these people are saying is, hey, you know, this is a good guy, but, you know, I, I feel like they absolutely dropped the ball on this case. Or, you know, and it's possible that they could say, hey, I feel like there's not as much impartiality here. So there are avenues. I don't know that those alone are going to change the system, but definitely the more stories that we hear and the more that the public hears those stories, 
I think we got a better chance of getting something done. Yeah. If, uh, you know, what if someone feels like they've been a victim of this good old boys network? I hate to say that because it makes it so benign. I mean, it's really vicious what's happening. Um, what if someone feels like they were a victim? Uh, they were a plaintiff in a case and, you know, their lawyer just threw up their hands and you have to walk away because that's it. Where do you go? So, I mean, that's, that's a fair question. I, I'm not fully an expert in that regard. What I will say, you know, there are options right there. If you feel like there's been true misconduct, you know, you could go to the office of, uh, I believe it's disciplinary counsel within the state judicial department and file a complaint. Um, you could also bring a complaint that makes its way to the JMSC so that when they are um, screening that candidate for re-election, that's taken into consideration and, and the members have to think about whether or not they want to advance that person based on these these examples. Um, and then, you know, this probably is the best answer. There are appeals that can occur that if you feel like that a wrong decision was made, you appeal and you, you hope that on appeal you mm -hmm. get a better outcome or at least a more fair outcome. But really, I don't think people are going to have full confidence in um, our judicial system and see the best outcomes until the selection process for judges is changed. And that's going to take a little bit of time. But I do think there's a strong chance of something happening next year because this committee, you know, not only is it, is it kind of considering recommendations, but it's supposed to put together a bill next year um, and go to the House kind of by early in the session. So we're, we're, we're trying to make sure that, um, you know, what, what is actually proposed are solid, meaningful recommendations and not kind of band-aids on a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. Well, Bryce, um, thank you so much. Where can uh, people find articles that you're writing on this and everything else that you're covering at the scpolicycouncil.org? Um, but you have uh, also the nerve, right? Yes. Yeah, so the, the scpolicycouncil.com, that's where our latest com, sorry. talking about the, the hearings with the South Carolina prosecutors is that you can also check out the nerve.org. That's our investigative news site. They do a lot of in-depth stories with specific examples uh, dealing with our judicial system. There's been two really important stories on magistrates, which are local judges that the nerve just recently published. So if you want to know more, check out both of those sites. All right. Sounds good. Bryce Fielder of scpolicycouncil.com. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Liz.